Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Spartan Spotlight Podcast. I'm here with my co-host Corey Robinson. I'm Justin Thind. We're back here after a uh, somewhat of a long hiatus. A lot has happened since then in MSU recruiting. Signing day has come and gone. Late signing day has come and gone. We had a lot of coverage for that over 24-7 Sports' Michigan State site, Spartan Tailgate. We're not going to talk too much about the signing class because that we kind of covered a lot uh, with our writing. But we're going to talk a lot about the transfer portal additions today, as that's something that is still in the middle of uh, the progression. They're still adding more guys. And that's kind of what, what most of the episode is going to be about. And then we're going to talk a little bit about the 2022 classes picture um, and how that's kind of shaping up at the end. But Corey, how are you doing today? It's good to be back and doing this podcast again. Yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm doing good uh, and excited to kind of get this rolling again. Uh, it definitely took a longer break than we probably wanted, but we had a lot of stuff going on in the background and this should become more regular again for you guys. And we look to bring in some uh, big guests once we get rolling. Yeah. So it's good to be doing this back again. And uh, so we're going to hop into the transfer targets right away. And I guess we're going to run through them from order of the oldest commit to the newest commit. I believe we've talked about Anthony Russo in the past a little bit already. I know we've written about him. I do I do believe we have talked about him in the past. But so Russo was a kid that transferred from Temple after playing there for four years. Uh he was a he was like a mid three star in in college as a recruit coming into college. And he's leaving Temple as their all-time leading passer, I believe, in yardage and in completions and in touchdowns. I'm pretty sure that's the case. Um, don't quote me on it, though. But the uh, the whole, only knock on him is that he kind of has some issues with interceptions, but he's a guy that can pretty much make any throw on the field. He just needs to kind of rein in that part of his game. Uh, Corey, any any thoughts on him other than that? I know we've talked about him quite a bit already um, in the past, but is there anything you want to kind of touch on with him? No, I think he's going to be a guy that I expect to kind of stabilize the offense. He's got a lot of experience. I think 6,300 yards passing at the college level already. Uh, so I think he'll be really good for that. And uh, judging by some pictures of him since he's arrived on campus now, it looks like he's getting into the best shape of his life already so that could uh, definitely play a factor make him a little more mobile or something for the them in the fall yeah definitely I think um kind of the the general consensus that I I've seen from most people is even if he doesn't kind of improve the interceptions and say he doesn't live up to the expectations that at least I have for him because I think he can be a really solid quarterback but even if that doesn't happen at the end of the day, all you've done is you've added competition into the quarterback room and you can never have too much competition at this level of football. So I think it's definitely a great idea to bring him in kind of adding a little bit to this trend of competition is they shored up the running back room. Uh, Harold Joyner was a the guy they brought in from Auburn. He's not a true running back per se. He's more of kind of like an H back kind of guy. Um, I know Gus Malzahn, when he recruited Joyner to uh, Auburn, he kind of pitched him the idea of playing like Charles Clay. Uh, Charles Clay played in the NFL for quite a few years. I think Buffalo Bills were the most recent. That's kind of like a guy that that's how they uh, used him over there in Auburn, just kind of a guy that would be like an H-back slash tight end slash running back that would go out and catch passes. Kind of like what some fans were hoping that Connor Hayward's role would have been last year. So I guess you want to touch on uh, anything more with Harold Joyner there, Corey? 
Yeah, definitely. I think what you were talking about was kind of hitting it on the head with the way I viewed them is uh, for Michigan State fans, if you picture how Connor Hayward should be used, uh, but put that package in a, a better athlete with better speed, and that's what they're getting in uh, Harold Joyner, where I think he'll have a huge impact on uh, catching passes out of the backfield or uh, even slotted out, but he's also a guy that you can hand the ball off a, a handful of times a game and he can run in between the tackles. So I think he's a huge upgrade. I think I would expect Kenneth Walker and Jordan Simmons to get most of the carries and uh, then Eli Collins and Harold Joyner to kind of battle it out for that third and fourth spot. Yeah, and then I guess kind of jumping out of order since we're already talking about running backs, I guess next we can hit on Kenneth Walker. Walker's a guy that led the NCAA in touchdowns last uh, last season, rushing touchdowns, uh, tied for first, I believe. Uh, he was at Wake Forest, and he started last year as a true freshman. I believe he split carries, though, but uh, played a decent amount of time last year, played a lot this year. Uh, very productive in his first years of college football. He pretty much has it all. I know I posted a like a one minute video on him when he committed. So you guys can go check that out on YouTube. But he kind of has like everything that you want from running back. He has the patience. He has the agility. He has the explosiveness, uh, the physicality to break tackles. Uh, just pretty much everything you want out of a running back. He's somebody that I think is probably the steal of the entire transfer portal just somebody that right right away from day one makes the team so much better. Uh, him and Jordan Simmons alone, I think, could be such a dangerous one-two duo uh, running the ball. Corey, what are your thoughts on Kenneth Walker? Yeah, I agree with you on that. He's a, I think he's the, the huge pickup where uh, Russo will get a lot of the talk just because he's quarterback, and that's the focal point. But uh, as most people know, running the ball generally dictates the success a team has if they're and with Mel Tucker you know it's always been we need to control the line of scrimmage and run the ball on our terms I think Walker gives them a guy like that um, where you've seen the last few years maybe since LJ has been gone LJ Scott uh, they haven't really had natural running backs that really understood how to see a hole and let it develop and all of those other nuances that come with a running back. So I think Kenneth Walker, he brings that and a lot more than most running backs. Uh, it's his patience is absolutely uh, insane. When you watch his videos, it's almost like watching uh, how Le'Veon Bell was, where yeah. he was just so patient, especially once Le'Veon got to the pros. So he'll just sit there and pick his spot and then explode uh, as soon as he gets that hole that he needs in the crease. So I think with Walker, that gives you a guy that uh, will be competing for the number one spot along with Jordan Simmons. But with the two of them, they'll both get lots of carries. And I think that's a good thing because they kind of contrast each other's styles too, where Jordan Simmons is that home run hit hitter that uh, can take it yeah. the distance at any point as soon as he gets a crease where Walker's that patient kind of guy. So. I think that'll be a huge one-two combination for Michigan State in the fall. Yeah, and uh, Walker's a guy, I believe he was listed at 206 when he came into the program and enrolled in the beginning of January, but 
Um, I know a lot of fans saw that video that was posted uh, recently. He seems to be up even more from 206, looking like a lot of solid muscle uh, that he has put on. Good job by the strength and conditioning staff for kind of getting that content out. A lot of good stuff from from that side of things. Talking about running the ball and how that's important to set the tone. Next up is Jarrett Horst, who transferred to Michigan State from Arkansas State. I know uh, offensive line coach Chris Kapilovic, huge fan of, of his. Um, and he's just a guy that had a great start to his career at Arkansas State and was basically just not even challenged enough because he was just, I don't know if he, I don't think he let up a single sack and he was just kind of mauling guys all over the place. So I guess he decided it was time to kind of move up to some harder competition. What are your thoughts on Jarrett Horst, Corey? Um, he's probably my guy. Uh, if Kenneth Walker isn't the MVP of the transfer portal, it's Jarrett Horst. I think he he may be the MVP just based off of his skill, but also that he creates a stability on the offensive line that they haven't had in East Lansing since 2015 uh, by putting him at a tackle spot opposite of AJ or Curry. That gives Michigan State two natural offensive tackles for the first time since 2015, which is pretty crazy to even say because they've always had Jordan Reed or uh, Kevin Jarvis who were interior players playing at right tackle out of necessity. So. With the addition of him, who is a, a very good player, it allows uh, Kevin Jarvis to slide inside to strengthen uh, the offensive line unit as a whole uh, with his addition. Because now you're looking at a starting lineup that probably consists of AJ O'Curry, JD Duplain, Nick Saymat. Uh, then you slide uh, Kevin Jarvis to right guard and Jarrett Horse to right tackle. And then Horse is a very physical player. Sometimes you got to rein him in. And that's kind of the same thing as Kevin Jarvis when he's in his yeah. natural uh, spot of right guard. So now that right side of the line is going to be pretty physical to run behind. And I think that's going to really pay off huge for uh, Walker, Simmons, and the other running backs to be yeah. able to finally run behind a, an offensive line that won't be a negative unit anymore. Yeah. And I think when you like talk about offensive linemen, like one of the things that people always kind of try to look for in these guys is are the people that finish their blocks? Do they have that kind of aggressiveness in them? And he's definitely one of the guys that does that. He doesn't do anything dirty or anything like that. He's just a guy that plays to the whistle, if not a little bit after the whistle and just make sure that he finishes every single one of his blocks. And just, he has everything you want from an offensive lineman. And um, at the same time, I know we had a chance to talk to him back when he was committing and he's just like a really, really nice kid, just like pretty much all these transfer portal guys that we've seen are uh, at least the ones that we've directly talked to. They just come off as like great kids. So there's not any sort of thing where, oh, maybe some of these guys are good, but they left their program because maybe they weren't kind of meshing well with people. There's definitely none of that. Um, and just, yeah, horse is just one example of that, but like all these guys are just like really great kids, great personalities in terms of what they're going to bring to the locker room. And, uh, yeah. So like you said, just really going to stabilize the offensive line. And, uh, it's, it's going to be pretty clear cut. I would say that he's going to end up starting at, at one of the tackle spots. And even when that was kind of brought up to him, he was, he just kind of downplayed it and said, he was just here to get as many opportunities as possible. And he was just looking to work. 
So that's a little insight into him. And then there's Drew Jordan, defensive end that uh, Michigan State got from Duke. Um, he, was, he was fairly productive, played a lot of games, uh, had a lot of tackles. Uh, I know Michigan State fans were probably looking more for kind of a guy that can rush the quarterback, but anytime you can get a quality defensive end, I think you still got to pounce on that kind of talent. And uh, I think he'll shore up uh, run stuffing, which should be a strength for MSU once again next year. Uh, Corey, you want to elaborate a little bit about Drew Jordan and what you like there? Yeah, uh, like you mentioned, he's good against the run. Um, I think he's about 6'2", 255, 265, somewhere in that range. Uh, but the goal for him was to get down to uh, below, right around 250. Uh, so then he maybe has a little more pass or rush explosion. Uh, but definitely what he brings is he helps stabilize uh, the defensive end rotation because you bring back uh, Jacob Panashuk and uh, Drew Beasley, which, you know, they're, they're good players. Uh, they, I don't know if the NFL is in either of their future, but they're, they're good, solid players. And that's what I uh, viewed Drew Jordan as, as well. So that gives you three guys that uh, are experienced that uh, can stop the run and can give you a little bit of pass rush. So then it takes uh, the pressure off. So now, your fourth defensive end is probably Michael Fletcher who got his feet wet or wet last year. Uh, so that takes some pressure off him to get him going where he's the guy that maybe could bring a little more pass rush as his technique and uh, learning a few things, getting a little more flexible comes. So that gives you with the addition of Jordan, that gives you four defensive ends to rotate in and out to keep guys fresh, which, you absolutely have to have, especially in the Big Ten. Um, so, yeah, Jordan's a, a stabilizer kind of guy to me where he just uh, will make the team better and uh, create good depth. Yeah, definitely. Just uh, just like, like I was saying, just a quality guy that if you can add that kind of, um, I guess, run-stopping ability to the defensive line and you already have guys like Panasuk and stuff – at least you're shoring up one attribute of the defensive line play. And if, if, like you said, he's losing weight, he's trying to get quicker. If, if he can develop into more of a pass rusher, then even better, but definitely a plus addition there. And um, so then the more, the two more recent transfers um, on the defensive side of the ball as well are Chester Kimbrough and Ben Van Sumeren. Uh, We'll start with Chester who transferred in from Florida um, he was a younger guy there. Uh, he didn't get a chance to play too much, but that makes a lot of sense since Florida is is basically a top tier when it comes to producing DBs. So that was not a place where you can go ahead and start as like a freshman or anything like that uh, quite easily. Uh, he was uh, able to learn from some of the better upperclassmen that Florida's had over there, got great coaching over there. And the fact that he was even good enough to to go to Florida, I guess, kind of shows a little bit of insight into the kind of potential he has. Uh, I don't know how to what extent he's going to be relied on as like the number one corner, but he's going to be someone that's going to see the field quite a bit. And it's going to be someone that has a lot of potential to get to get really uh, solid playing time and to become one of the mainstays of that defense in the years to come. Uh, Thoughts on Kimbrough, Corey? Yeah, he's uh, one that I like quite a bit. Um, He comes out of New Orleans, uh, 
down in Louisiana, uh, coming out of high school, he was definitely regarded as one of the top defensive backs uh, to come out of the state and area uh, in the last 10 years. Uh, so, you know, he's got a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, upside coming in. Um, once he got to Florida, he, he played, I believe, eight or nine games as a true freshman in the rotation. And then he played uh, in the rotation last year. So, uh, you know, he's a guy that's certainly talented enough to, to get into the rotation and play uh, at Florida, who has a, a stacked defensive backfield right now. So uh, I imagine that was kind of his motivation at this point two years into his career he looked at uh, what I need is an opportunity more than anything and Michigan State obviously uh, presented that for him as their cornerback depth is pretty low um, but what I noticed when I watch uh, Chester play is his poise as a defensive back is uh, something that really stands out like he doesn't get rattled out there when guys would do double moves or uh or if they get a couple steps on him, he had the speed to make up for it. And uh, he does a really good job of keeping his eyes on a quarterback while defending his man, uh, which is kind of a, a knack that not a lot of defensive backs come in with or, or are comfortable doing. So I think him up in the Big Ten, that's probably a great fit for him and for Michigan State. Uh, he's a guy that should be able to come in and uh, – take the starting uh cornerback position over as soon as he gets here in the yeah. summertime uh, I think his upside and talent is that good and Michigan State's need is that great so I think he's going to be a guy that has a major impact uh not only next year but over the next couple of years on the program mm-hmm and then uh, Ben Van Sumeren is the last guy that Michigan State has added so far. And he's a guy that obviously, as everybody knows, came over here from um, down the road at Michigan. And he is at another major position of need, just like Chester was, as Ben plays linebacker. And uh, I think the fact of the matter is that Michigan State desperately needs to add linebackers. I'm of the belief that they still need to add more through the portal. And he's a guy that, from a physical standpoint, will be ready to contribute right away. Um, one look at his Instagram or YouTube, uh, you can just tell right away that there, there's no one in the weight room that's going to outwork him. Um, in terms of on-field, I think he brings a lot of physicality. And I, I've talked to like a coach of his um, from the community over there in Essexville. And uh, basically, I was told that he's very physical, very violent, can play sideline to sideline. Uh, the coverage uh, areas, uh, that's kind of where he struggles at a little bit. But I would say kind of looking at who we already have on the roster at linebacker, it's, it, it's not something where you'd be like, oh, well, if this guy's not going to come in and contribute, then why did we take him? There's none of that. This guy's going to play. Uh, if you look at the current roster, he's going to be one of the better linebackers for sure. Um, so Corey, I guess, what are your thoughts on there? And I guess touching a little bit on the strengths and weaknesses his, his game's not perfect, but he's going to be good enough to make a pretty significant impact. I'd say, what are your thoughts? Yeah. Um, for Van Sumeren, he's, uh, an absolute, uh, elite style athlete for his size. I think he's mm-hmm. right around 250 pounds now. 
uh, at six foot three, six foot four. Uh, I think he's probably in that four six range, and he's looking to cut weight before he gets to Michigan State and to get even faster. Uh, but yeah, just an absolute powerful player, great athlete. Um, at Michigan, uh, Coach Harbaugh he likes to take those those big uh, freak athlete type of guys and turn them into fullbacks, like he did with Ben Mason and uh, Van Sumeren did that a little early. And now with Ben Mason graduating, I kind of get the sense that he transferred out because he knows that. Harbaugh was trying to tab him to be that his super fullback again. And I think Van Sumeren is at the point in his career where he wants to be, he's a linebacker and that's what he wants to uh, get a shot at and try to make it there. So I think, I think that has a lot uh, to do with him leaving because it just makes sense yeah. that uh, Harbaugh likes to take the best jumbo athlete he has on the team and turn him into that fullback because he, he just loves that position. So, um, like you said, he's a guy, he's going to be able to run sideline to sideline uh, as well or better than any of the linebackers currently on the roster at Michigan State. Uh, his power is never going to be an issue for him. Uh, he's going to be able to get in there and stuff the run. Uh, and then he's plenty athletic enough against the to defend the pass. I think that comes down to just coaching and uh, – learning to kind of trust his eyes on what he's doing in that situation but he doesn't have any physical limitations that Mm -hmm. keep him from being able to do that so it's just uh being able to teach him up and uh teach him the techniques and just to get that part of the game down uh but yeah I think he's a high energy guy Mm -hmm. that's going to be contagious on the sidelines on the field in the weight room like he's just going to bring up the energy in the whole program and that's something that's huge yeah especially in the weight room actually that was another thing that uh the coach that I mentioned earlier had uh kind of touched on a little bit he said that uh Ben's a guy that no one is going to outwork and he's going to expect the same from like the rest of his teammates so he's just going to be a very big addition uh from that perspective of things and um, I'm sure like once he gets some more uh, aspects of on-field play refined, which he'll now actually have the opportunity to work through on the field, um, that could definitely end up being a high return addition as well. And um, another reason that it's kind of a, an interesting addition is the fact that his younger brother, um, Alex Van Sumeren, uh, recently decommitted from Michigan uh, a day before uh, Ben entered the portal. And um, Alex has immediately kind of had his stock surge back up, just like it was before he committed to Michigan kind of early and really shut things down. Um, Clemson has offered. uh, Nick Saban is back on the phone with him. James Franklin is back in communication. He actually was even recruiting um, Alex while he was committed to Michigan. I know Michigan State's always been on him. Um, It goes without saying that, that he's a top target in state. Uh, it's someone that uh, the staff has been in constant communication with since he uh, since he decommitted for Michigan. He's a guy that's that's just very powerful on the defensive line. Uh, Corey, I'll let you talk more about what he brings uh, from a from a football standpoint. Yeah, he's uh, one of the better uh, players to come out of Michigan in the last few years. In my uh, 
my opinion, just because he, just like his brother, he has that huge motor and he's working hard in the weight room. Very, very strong kid. Uh, I kind of compare him a little bit to Mike Panashuk, the former defensive tackle, but he's more athletic uh, than Mike. Uh, so, so that kind of changes him, but he's that same type of guy where he's just powerful. He's going to eat up blockers, uh, has really strong, violent hands. Uh, he's working on pass rush technique and not just depending on uh, being stronger than everybody. Uh, explosive out of the burst. Uh, he's one of the guys that I really like in the 22 class for in-state guys. Um, and that when you look at the attention with a Clemson, Alabama, uh, Oklahoma, all of these other teams that are outside of the region, they don't come recruit defensive tackles in the Midwest a, t- a ton. So that speaks a lot to the type of uh, player that Alex is and what his upside as a player is. He's a guy you can trust because you know he's going to work. Yeah, definitely. So that kind of touches on all of the guys that MSU has landed so far from the portal. They're not done yet. Um, I believe Tucker had said that they were looking at nine more guys um, before Chester Kimbrough was added. Maybe it was after, but either way, that's about seven more guys maybe six that uh, MSU is looking to still add. I know for me, I would want those, let's just say six spots. Well, I would want those six spots to be allocated with one more linebacker, one more cornerback. Um, I would say one more safety. I know Jason uh, Simmons Jr. is kind of one of the options for that. He recently picked up an offer from uh, hometown TCU, but we'll see what happens there. But once you kind of shore up those positions, um, the new safety would would suddenly have a, a pretty decent battle um, to start next to Xavier Henderson because that new safety addition would be kind of battling Michael Dowell, Darius Snow, and um, Kendall Brooks, who was another transfer earlier. Um, he's actually someone we haven't talked about. He was not on the 24-7 uh, transfer additions list, but He's a guy that uh, comes from a D2 school, was very, very productive, has a lot of tools and skills. Um, he's a guy that is probably a very interesting candidate because there's not a lot of scouting reports out there on him, but he has he has enough film that the staff evaluated him. And uh, that's a guy that's also going to be in the fold as well. So Kendall Brooks and the other two safeties I mentioned and a possible addition will shore up the, the defensive back uh, or at least the safety room. And then the defensive backs uh, as a whole moving to corner, I would still say I, I'd like one more guy. If you can get um, another guy in there to play with gross and uh, say a freshman Charles Brantley and a Chester Kimbrough and Kalan Gervin, I think you can kind of have a solid five man rotation there uh, without too much of a drop off. And with all of those guys having quite a few years in front of them to continue developing linebacker, as I already said, I I would just like much more production from that room. And I would just like another addition. Um, And then beyond that, I think you can start filling out best available, even if that's another cornerback. Um, I know a speed rusher would be ideal. A tight end would be nice. Maybe even a punter. Corey, does that kind of line up with how you would like to see the rest of the spots filled out? What What are your thoughts kind of on the remaining six spots, let's say? Um, yeah, I think uh, as we record this today, I think three defensive backs is definitely 
going to most likely be added to Chester Kimbrough and uh, the safety uh, Brooks. I think there will be three more beyond them in the portal. Uh, Mel Tucker, he, he really he's a defensive back guy. So he likes uh, he likes his defensive backs and bringing them in in numbers and kind of letting everybody figure it out. Um, I think another linebacker, uh, whether that's uh, Nate Ote or not or somebody else, uh, who he's kind of went kind of in the dark. He's last I heard from him, he's uh, still trying to figure everything out. Uh, I think that's Michigan State or Ohio State for him ultimately, uh, unless some other team creeps in. But as of today, I think it'd be those two. But that one's kind of went dark. Uh, and it's not just from our end. I've heard people close to him where they're saying, like, he's just undecided and not knowing what he's going to do. So that's a spot linebacker, whether it's him or someone else. Um, ideally, if you could get a pass rushing defensive end, that would be great for them, but I don't know that there's a ton of that just laying around in the portal. Uh, I think a, the need for a tight end would be uh, really big for them just because they need to kind of improve the talent in that room and depth. And then with them having a, a guy that's probably not going to be there uh, come fall, uh, which we won't say his name yet because the Michigan State hasn't given us that, the name or the, the privilege to do that, but I think everybody's figured out who that is. And then I even think a uh, wide receiver, like the room is good, there's talent there, but I think if they could get a guy with like a uh, game-changing type speed, they would be open to that just to try and overall uh, improve team speed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I guess transitioning a little bit to the 2022 class now that we've spent a pretty decent amount of time on the transfers, we won't necessarily talk about anything like who's the next to commit or anything like that, especially until visits start. The picture that that is kind of being painted about recruiting right now is just so subjected to change. And I guess what we will do, though, is we'll kind of give like a, an overall snapshot of, of kind of how Michigan State is positioned for the visits. So when, when the recruiting uh, dead period uh, gets transitioned into like a quiet period, which we are assuming would be the next step, whenever that, would hap- that were to happen, um, that would allow schools to host kids. It would not allow coaches to go out and kind of do in-home visits. But that'll be enough to, to make an impact. I know the, the guys that were able to visit last year uh, in that like one week period, they were like left very impressed. I know Hamp Face said the entire staff was giving him and his mom a standing ovation when they walked into the building. Just the staff does a remarkable job with, with um, on-campus visits. Uh, so that's kind of something that we're just kind of waiting for now because that's where the recruiting is really going to take off. And that's also where we'd get clarity on which guys are uh, kind of being prioritized above the rest at some of these positions where there's quite a few targets. And that'll also give us more clarity on which guys are really invested in Michigan State and which ones are kind of just saying that. So that's kind of what it all comes down to. And I would say that Michigan State's very well positioned in that regard, uh, especially with the way they have recruited nationally, they have kind of managed to put together pockets of, of recruits in like different parts of the nation that are kind of like connected to each other, 
what I kind of mean by this is there's a group um, that trains with premium sports, which is an organization in the West coast, California. A lot of guys over there have MSU offers. They kind of get recruited as like a pack. They kind of travel as a pack. Uh, There's a group over in Tennessee. There's a group in Louisiana. There's uh, the, the Buford guys over at Georgia. There's about five, six guys with MSU offers. Uh, from Buford High School in Georgia. And then Georgia as a whole has 47 offers, I want to say, from Michigan State. So, Corey, do you want to kind of dive into into those kind of things I mentioned a little bit and, and kind of give a snapshot of why recruiting nationally, but with such an organized kind of approach is something that has set Michigan State up well for visits? Yeah, definitely. So um, the the big thing is, like, Michigan State, we haven't been able to see what they're really going to do once things are normal and they are uh, going to be able to run in on all their cylinders, but they have the, this huge support system in place that once it finally is allowed to work, uh, I think you're going to see a lot of huge results where you're going to get a lot of kids on campus. And then once you get them on campus, uh, they, they have a, a good plan in place to kind of uh, show off everything Michigan state has to offer. Um, so by having them in pockets, you've already had the premium sports people. They brought a handful of guys from California the first week and only week that uh, Mel Tucker's been here, that he's been allowed to have kids on campus. Uh, they're definitely coming back as soon as they can. Uh, Elite Three, they kind of run a organization down in Tennessee area, which uh, Michigan State is heavily recruiting that area. I think that's uh, – kind of untapped area a little bit a lot of really good athletes come from there and with Tennessee having some of their issues right now it's not a bad time to try to put your print there um so they've I've talking with their people uh as soon as it opens up he's bringing uh a bus full of his guys up here uh with many of them have uh offers in hand so that's going to be big and then the Buford uh guys um, Michigan State sits well with uh, at least three of the guys that they're in. I think they have like five or six offers out. That's one of the premier programs in the country in Georgia. Um, those guys are all already planning to get up here as soon as they can. But I think the big thing is just the the reach that Mel Tucker and his staff has nationally uh, is something that is really going to catch a lot of people's attention when they can find the host kids on campus which hopefully will be june 1st uh but with NCAA, who knows but um everything should be trending that way as you see the numbers uh lowering across the country for uh covid cases and everybody being able to have the vaccine by summer is looking close so yeah i think i think it'll be really exciting times for michigan state fans something maybe that they're not accustomed to or nothing they've seen on what should transpire nationally once mm-hmm. he's able to get the kids on campus and let them see what Michigan state has to offer rather than the zooms. Yeah, definitely. And and I think what one thing that a lot of people didn't really kind of understand was that. So since recruiting is like a two year a window, it was still going to hurt 2022 recruiting a ton to not have visits. And I guess one example, someone had kind of asked this question and uh, I kind of looked into like Penn State's class a little bit because I was pretty familiar with their guys. Somebody said, but now it's 2022. So how come um, 
I guess we're not on more even footing. Why are all the schools not equally hurt by COVID now that we're a whole like a year into it? Like no one's had visits for a year. Uh, That's true. But the thing is that all these schools kind of recruited these kids, especially the ones in their region, very early, like as sophomores and stuff. So like Penn State would have their last bash event where they would have high school underclassmen kind of come and check out their campus. So at the point that I kind of did this study, Penn State had about six commits, and I want to say five of them had visited Penn State more or equal to three times. And Michigan State can say that about zero recruits. Uh, no recruits in the 2022 class have visited them more than once. I believe Dylan Tatum was the only one to even visit one time. So yes, we are removed a whole year from the shutdown of visits. And yes, that's been the same thing for every other school, but all the other schools were able to get started on kids in their region years ago. And that's what kids still remember as their last visit or their last few visits. So that was always going to be something that was going to hold the staff back until visits open. And it's probably going to continue that way until they do open. Um, And from a, from a staff that is prioritizing states like Georgia over states like Michigan. um, Yeah. You're just going to have to wait a little bit before like the recruiting momentum picks up. Cause a lot of these guys want to visit before they can commit and the staff is not going to settle and kind of in the meantime, just take kids that are more familiar with Michigan state in order to have, the recruiting board look like it's on a, on a quicker pace right now, just because their real targets want to wait until they can visit. So that's just kind of how it's going to be. And we're just all going to have to be patient until, until that happens. Um, but they're plugging away. They're showing up in a lot of top schools lists and uh, these kids are still willing to wait until visits open up since I wouldn't imagine that there would be another extension, but I guess who knows, but things are looking good right now for the summer. Once the visits open up the staff's positioned pretty well, Corey's kind of detailed all the guys in 2022 that are like kind of being recruited as kind of a group setting, you could say around the nation in these pockets. So there's definitely a lot to look forward to there. Uh, Is there anything else you want to touch on Corey or is that it for this episode? Uh, No, I think we covered pretty much everything that we wanted to on this. All right. Sounds good. All right. Well, you guys can catch us on the next episode. Uh, We'll try to get them out much sooner than before. We're going to try to get back on this on a more consistent basis. But yeah, definitely feel free to subscribe, spread the word, and then uh, go ahead and interact with us over in the VIP thread at Spartan Tailgate. If you're not a subscriber, definitely go ahead and subscribe. Right now, there's a 50% off promotion. Um, So if you enjoyed uh, any of the content Corey or I have put out in the past, along with now we're working with Stephen Brooks and Sean Shearer over there, um, Alan True, the Midwest Director of Recruiting, is always stopping by. So any of the work that any of us do, if you're interested in that, now's the best time to sign up here. I think the deal's only around for a couple more days, so don't wait. And just, yeah, check us out. Talk to us. Let us know what you want from future episodes. And thanks for listening.